Welcome to the Places Where We Go podcast. Hello, I'm Julie. And I'm Art. Join us as we share our travel stories. We'll tell you about where we've been, what we saw, and what we did. We're always looking for a bit of an adventure. Sometimes we travel far. Sometimes we explore the places close to our home. Wherever we go, we'll let you know about the highlights and top tips to help you plan your future adventures. This is the Places Where We Go podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Places Where We Go podcast, where today we're going to take you to an attraction that is in our hometown or our backyard, as we like to call it. I think anybody who's been a longtime resident of the town where we live, which is Simi Valley, California, has to be familiar with the location that sits at 4595 Cochrane Street. Not necessarily. There's a lot of people, old Simi Valleyans, that do not know what Bottle Village is. Really? Yes. I find that stunning. Okay. So, some longtime residents. This is why we're telling them. I thought we were just telling people who aren't in Simi Valley. So now I guess we're telling even people who live in Simi Valley. Yeah. So at this location stands a fenced structure behind which there's a collection of artworks. It's folk art, remnants of buildings that have been built from bottles and discarded objects. And this is the home of Grandma Prisby's Bottle Village. And she is the folk artist. It is Grandma Prisby that built and created this entire, it's her home. It was her home, but she built and created all of it. Yeah, and we'll talk about how it came to be. And Grandma Prisby is not with us anymore. So my parents moved to Simi Valley when I entered junior high. So this would have been the mid-1970s. And my early recollections of Simi Valley, when I think about like the places that were around here, this is one of the first places that just stood out to me. And it would end up being a place that I would ride past on my bicycle when I was going to high school on the other end of the valley, Simi Valley High School. It was on Cochrane Street. And this is a place that I would not personally have visited until much, much later In fact, the first time I ever visited is when you and I went several years ago. But I remember, you know, riding the bike past it. And I think in my 13-year-old mind, you know, what was I thinking? I was probably thinking, geez, this is strange. This is bizarre. Who on earth would construct what was being constructed there out of garbage, discarded stuff? And fast forward 40 years later... I think, I mean, my outlook on what she did is just shaped dramatically different. And I think we'll get Mm -hmm. into the impact that she made in this community. I know, I mean, you've been here longer than I have, so you may have... I was born here, so I've lived here all my life, except for the time that we went over to Ohio because of a job, but that was very short-lived. So I am from Simi Valley, born, lived here all my life knew about Grandma Prisby way early on because she would end up in the papers and it sparked interest. I think that's how I knew because my dad, it would spark my dad's interest because he loved, you know, folk art and things like that. And she was an interesting, interesting lady. I know my dad brought us there at least once that I remember. 
I don't know if he had been there more than that. I I don't see it as a place where he would repeatedly go to. Um, but early on, she was charging admission. But so you would have had a chance to see it in its heyday. Oh, yeah. When yeah. she was there. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I don't think this was the kind of place that would have hit the radar for my mom and dad to visit. Hence, I did not go until much, yeah. much later. So you mentioned Grandma Prisbury. And uh, why don't we talk a little bit about who she was? Okay. Well, honestly, Grandma Prisbury is new to me um, because in all my life, I, I've always thought it was Grandma Prisby. Maybe yeah, we, it's because it's a little bit harder to put that R in there and people just kind of cut it out. But that's how I knew her, knew of her. I never met her. I know, I remember being there once specifically, and it had been with my dad because I was younger. And I don't think she was either not there or I never saw her there when we were on the property. But I do know that there's a lot of like legends that are around her, and she loved people. And when people would come to tour the area, um, usually I guess she was there and she'd be talking to them and telling about all her folk art and why she did it and her stories. And she was very energetic, friendly. She had this eccentricity to her. So I think people really liked her. She would play the piano for people. And which surprises me because a lot of students would go visit her and she would play the piano for them. A, a lot of kids remember that because she loved doing that. I never got that chance because mm-hmm. I didn't live on that end of the valley, and um, nor did I go to school on that end of the valley. So I never saw that. Too bad. That would have been great. So who is Grandma Prisbury? She is Tressa Prisbury, and she was born in 1896. She was an artist, a collector. She built those uh, bottle villages, the structures that she built. She was a daughter of German immigrants, but she herself was born here in the United States and did not get a chance to use her native language of her parents because as in most cases, a lot of kids that are born here that have parents that speak another language, they tend to uh, speak the English because it's just easier for them, especially when they get into school. So that's kind of in her case, she stayed with the English and kept it and kind of lost that German language heritage that she had. But interesting enough, she married her first husband, not here. It was, um, I believe, back east somewhere. And she was 15 years old when she got married. How old was the mister? Well, mister was, and it wasn't Prisbury, I forget his his name, but Mm. he was 52 years old. Oh, my. So, and, you know, you hear those stories of these type of marriages. A lot of times they're arranged, but... Yeah, that doesn't happen like anymore here, at least, right? Not unless the guy's really rich. At married at fifteen, you're not gonna. Well, no, it's against the law at fifteen. But you could be eighteen. I mean, but uh, she had seven children by this gentleman, and she decided at some point she was in her early thirties to leave him, and she packed up her children, her whole entire life, and started living this kind of nomadic lifestyle with seven children. I mean, that's amazing. Yeah, so we recently 
saw that movie. I think it was called Nomadland. And so she almost strikes me as like an original pioneer of that nomad lifestyle because she also did have a trailer and was making her way slowly westward without a house to live in. No nothing. I mean, she didn't have anything but seven children to feed. As you said, she was moving her way westward and she just worked in restaurants as a waitress or at points she was a bar pianist. And she ended up, as she moved her way west, being a parts assembler for Boeing in Seattle. And this was during uh, World War II. In 1946, she settled here in what was called Santa Susana, now called Simi Valley. And she met her second husband, who was Albert Prisbury. And they bought this land. It was one third of an acre. And the lot that they bought was 40 feet wide and 300 feet long. And this was the beginnings of Bottle Village. Mm -hmm. In 1956, at the age of 60, that's when she began to build this little village of hers. And she continued building the village until she could no more, basically, until she had to leave this property and go live with her daughter in San Francisco. She would continue to add on to this bottle village that she created. Yeah, it was interesting to me when I learned recently that she was 60 years old when she started Mm -hmm. to create this thing. I'm not 60 years old yet. You're not 60 years old yet either. So you kind of think about, you know, where we are. If we were like in her footsteps, starting something like that would still be ahead of us. So it's like what, as we get into what she actually built, I think a reminder to people that, even if you're later on in life, you can still create something. You can make a mark. You can make an impact. And she, she's probably, you know, when I think about people who left a mark on our city, she's up there. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, you mentioned about, you know, her starting to build Bottle Village. So as she said about this, she didn't have a model. She didn't have a plan. She just went about trying to make something from nothing. She and her husband lived on the property, in her trailer. And the story is that when they arrived here, she took the wheels off the trailer to make sure that they weren't going to meander around the country anymore. She wanted to set her roots where she was. And so the wheels came off and then this was home. And they were in this situation where they spent most of their money on the land and they couldn't even afford cement blocks for fences or whatnot. So she thought of, you know, bottles were this item that she might be able to use to construct her fencing and things that she wanted on the property. Because they were everywhere. There was a plenty of them. Yeah. So when she saw that there was great numbers of these bottles, it just popped in her head and use what I have, Mm -hmm. use what's here and start building. So she completed a 30 foot long wall out of glass bottles, built a six by 12 room on the back. And that was the beginning of Bottle Village. And again, you know, 60 years old when she started putting, I guess what it was, some kind of cement structure between the bottles and just assembling them and yeah, some mortar. making yeah. this and making that. Mm-hmm. She was a big collector of stuff. One of her first collections ended up being a pencil collection. She ultimately would have 17,000 of these, but she took up collecting pencils when she was still living in her trailer because she said this is something that she could collect that wasn't going to take up a lot of room. So this is before she had 17,000 of them. But 
There's a bottle house that was constructed on the property to house her pencil collections and her pencil art, and that was called the Pencil House. I'm just going to back up just for a second. One of the reasons we're even talking about this today is you and I just a few days ago had a chance to go to the property. There was an event there Mm -hmm. and uh, kind of brought back some of these memories of Bottle Village. And when we were there, they had displays of some of this pencil art. Pencil art, which has been displayed at the L.A. Museum, mm-hmm. which is very cool. Yeah. Yeah. So that's uh, that's gotten around. So let's kind of see if we can paint a picture of some of the things that Grandma Prisbury had created. Yeah. And I guess like what you would see if you have a chance to yeah. go here. So there are mosaic pathways that have an incredible amount of items just embedded in them. There's lots of old tiles, broken tiles, but there's also license plates, scissors, toy guns, toys, other types of toys. What else? I mean, there were so many things you could find in there. I actually found out of some kind of, I don't even know what it was, some kind of bead-like something that she actually spelled out Bottle Village in one of the mosaics. There's just so many things that are in there that... The car parts and yeah, it's like just everything. It's like anything that would have been in the garbage in the '60s that was kind of flat-ish that she could embed into the cement. Yeah, she did. And she you know, did. you you walk into the property and you're just walking on this pathway that's a piece of art. It's a piece of art and it's a piece of history because yeah. some of this stuff is really old. Mm-hmm. And we were finding license plates, you know, back in the '40s and and uh, from different areas of the country that they just don't they don't make them that way anymore there was one that said it was made in prison made by the prison you know part of this pathway also had the four playing cards as a walkway and they represented the suits of the playing cards so there was the clubs and the spades and the hearts and the diamond and those are also constructed out of just stuff Stuff. kind of to yeah. form to make those images. And I think yeah. each one of those was probably what you say, like maybe four feet by four feet. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They, were very, they were large. And uh, she got inspired when she went to Las Vegas. So she decided to put that down onto the walkway. There's a large wishing well, and it's made from just hundreds and hundreds of blue milk of magnesia bottles. There is a pyramid that is made out of automobile headlights. Mm-hmm. That's really cool, too. I find probably one of the freakyish looking parts of Bottle Village is her doll collection. This could give people nightmares. They call it the Parade of Dolls, but these dolls could be found in horror movies. I mean, they just look bizarre. Yeah. There's a section up in the front where she's got like the doll heads on sticks. Yeah. And, and it's like this, yeah. uh, it's like instead of like flowers on stems it's doll heads on sticks and kind of like to your point they're like freaky looking doll heads yeah and as a matter of fact we saw a album cover that had that image and some other stuff on a darn it i can't remember who the uh wall of voodoo i believe was the band so they're the the band that had the song i think in the 80s mexican radio Uh uh uh-huh and um yeah apparently one of I don't know if it was the only release of their album, but there was an album released with that. The cover of it Uh is these heads heads. from Bottle Village. Mm -hmm. We have the Leaning Tower of Bottle Village, which is 
just constructed uh, from a larger base and it just kind of goes up and up and up and gets the diameter gets less and less and less until they get to the top and it's just embedded with old Legos and and just all kinds of just odds and ends and that some old costume jewelry hanging from it i mean she just whatever she has she used yeah. now she was also i believe a horticulturalist right i mean she yes, had a yeah. she had a garden did she not she did she I, had I, I showed it to you she had an amazing spring garden she had yeah so she was a wit too yes she was so, so she, describe the spring garden she Julie. knew she knew comedy i believe so you had made some pun about, you know, oh, look at this. Here's the spring garden. And I walked over and there's these gigantic coils of metal springs mm-hmm. that are just in the dirt there, in the dirt, sitting on the dirt. And that was her spring garden. Yep. <laughs> so and she did at one point have plants growing in that and they would grow through these coils. And that was her spring garden. Yeah, I read that she was big on cactuses because she uh, she felt that most other kind of plants she might not be able to take care of properly but cactuses could survive just about everything so there's a a bit of those on the property yeah the smallest bottle is about one inch long and the largest is a three gallon whiskey bottle we saw a lot of those Mm -hmm. there was a part that was right next to the playing card section of just old television tubes that just kind of lined the area between one pathway to the playing card pathway. Yeah. So this would be one of those things, you know, I can imagine, you know, like people who are younger today, they probably have grown up in an era where all they know is the uh, flat screen TVs, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And when you and I were kids, you know, you had these TVs that the tube itself probably was 12 to 18 inches deep, if not more. Yeah. And, and that's kind of, you know, she took a whole bunch of these and made this fence out of that stuff. Yeah, and a little be- short little fence, and she would put little trinkets all over that. And she had a lot of little ceramic decorative things that she would put out, you know, little porcelain things. And she was just a kick. Yeah, I mean, yeah. she was really something. Then you have all the actual structures. So there's several, several structures. There are some that are gone now, yeah. unfortunately. but And most of them are in ruin. If you hear noise in the background, it's our beagle, and we can't do anything about her. (laughs) No, we just let her be. Some of these buildings are halfway falling down. There's no roofs. They do have one called the Roundhouse that is pretty much intact, um, that they still have some furniture in it and some pieces in there, but you can't go in. Yeah, and the sides of that is like entirely made out of bottles. Yeah, all these structures are entirely made out of bottles that are just... Um, stacked up with mortar in between them. And when you have lights on too, they have some pictures where she would have lights on the inside and the uh, light coming through the bottles is just really cool. So overall, if you visited there, there are about 36 identified structures and some artwork to see. She used only discarded objects, as we mentioned, and she was aware that some would call the collection junk and she was okay with that Mm -hmm. and most of the structures and the the sculptures that she made were completed by 1961 so from 56 to 1961 she had completed all of those buildings those structures most of them and i think after that she kind of tinkered and maintained and kept things kind of going status quo at that point. You know, I didn't realize, I guess, until now that everything that was built there was built in that 
span of time. I mean, five years. I mean, I, when I look at what's on the property today and when I remember what was on the property at one point in time before some of it fell to ruins, that's an immense amount of work. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. I mean, it was like one of those sun up through sundown type things. And I think that's her personality. I think her personality was one. And, and I think that's why I identify with her so much. Because it's one of you just go until you drop, hmm. you know, type of thing. But I have to say, I'm knocking on the door of 60 years old. Mm-hmm. And I get tired. Yeah, can you imagine so doing that? I can't that? imagine. Like, yeah. I think she had lots of adrenaline. I really do. She did not put the roofs and the doors on, though. Her sons helped her with that. Yeah, but everything else was her effort. Yes. So after she completed all this, she took some time off, and she would tally and inventory her collection. She'd count every bottle. She'd count, again, a personality I identify with. And she had a total of 1,015,000 bottles at one point in her tally. She saved a lot of stuff from going to the dump, huh? Yeah, she yeah. did. Yeah. Which uh, gets us to, you know, the process that she went through to do her building. So the items that she used were things that she either found and collected. In some cases, there was items that were given to her. But she was a frequent visitor at the Santa Susana dump, a graveyard for discarded treasures. And for four years, she would go to the dump nearly every single day. She said that she found so many dolls thrown away there that she didn't know what to do with them. So she ended up building a house for them. And one of the bottle houses was called the doll house, I believe, Mm -hmm. uh, where she displayed the dolls. And then again, like we mentioned, some of them ended up just, you know, freakishly being displayed on the property, which you can still see today. Yeah. She had a chapel too. And it was one of those, you know, all religions type of chapels. So Mm -hmm. she had a Buddha, she had a cross, she had a a statue of Virgin Mary. She had some other items that Mm. were from every religion, they said. So she would just collect and she would find things that had some common theme to them and she put them together and she made a display out of it. Very interesting woman. Very interesting. One of the things that I remember was she did run into some issues as the years would pass with the city council. So there were people that were not fans of Bottle Village um, over the years. Hmm. And they really wanted it gone. They thought it was an eyesore. It was a piece of land that could have been used for something else. And so she had a couple battles with the city as time went on. Yeah, so you and I were talking about that when we left the property recently, because it struck me that one, you know, what she did and what she accomplished there, absolutely remarkable. But In the city where we live, the same area, if somebody wanted to do that today, there's not one iota of a chance that somebody would be able to grab a piece of land and start smack and mortar between bottles and building something like that. Because I'm sure, you know, this code or that code and this regulation, because you know, one of the things that I was thinking about, because it is this treasure that we have in Simi Valley that I could see some other artist somewhere down the street, getting a piece of property and creating like some, you know, metal sculpture garden or something or, you know, out of some other stuff. And, you know, the city could take something like that and build an arts community around it. But we're just, we live in this place that's got these regulations that prohibit that. On the one hand, you know, we're, we're able to see from a past culture 
the fact that this could have happened, you know, we're able to view it today and admire it today. And you know. yeah, and it, and it is very striking, but you have to look at through a prism of it being folk art, it being something that was the heart and soul of a person. And when you look at it that way, you can embrace it yeah, and appreciate it. Absolutely. I mean, the other thing I think about is we live in this era where we're, you know, hypersensitive about waste and about, you know, damaging the earth and this and that. And here was a way that, that somebody before, you know, ecology and recycling mm-hmm. became mainstream, she would take stuff out of the dump and turn it into something that was a work of art. And that's, I think, another reason to celebrate something like that. Mm-hmm. It's it just yeah. um, remarkable. And thank goodness there's people that have taken on that historical part of Grandma Prisby's Bottle Village and have tried to keep it going all these years. They really would like to restore it. But I think, again, we're, they run into some issues with our city. Well, and, our, our city well, they, and maybe even the state, because I think about like earthquake codes would, and those, that's a state issue, right? Well, yeah, so. yeah, it's a state issue. And it is the 94 earthquake that took down most of those, the buildings that she had, had uh, built. But you can still preserve that and just not let people go in it. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's no reason to have an indoor type. You can have an outdoor type of museum. But the city, they just won't fund it in any way. I think it is well worth the money. Okay, I guess we're not going to go down the rabbit hole of other things in Simi Valley that have been a waste of money that have been promoted by the city. We could, (laughs) we could go there because we we have a few examples of those, but another discussion for another time. Yeah. (laughs) So how did it become such a tourist attraction? Well, people just started coming around and saying, you know, what the heck is this? What's going on? And they would actually just stop and look. And I bet you she invited them on the property and says, hey, come on, come look at what I'm doing. And she was such a vivacious, energetic woman. And she loved people. She just loved people. So I think that that created this sense of, you know, this public viewing. So it kind of just became word around the town that, mm-hmm. you know, hey, there's this bottle village over there and grandma will let you come in and see it and maybe she'll play piano for you. And mm-hmm. and I know the kids really, especially from uh, the, the high school, they really loved going over there and kind of visiting with her and checking her out. And she would start letting people onto her little village area and then she started noticing that where certain items were missing. Now, remember... Grandma Prisby kept very, very good counts on everything that she owned. So she would know if even a pencil was missing. And she started noticing that. So she began to charge admission to people that wanted to come in and and tour her bottle village. And I remember seeing a sign. It was like 25 cents for a kid and, you know, 50 cents for an adult or something. Yeah, something very nominal. Yeah, something really minimal. Probably even nominal back in the day. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. yeah. So Grandma Prisby once said... Anyone can do anything with a million dollars. Look at Disney. But it takes more than money to make something out of nothing. And look at the fun I have doing it. I love that. By the way, she Disney was kind of her rival. She yeah, there was, was something between her and Walt Disney. Yeah. I think she um, she had an opinion yes, she did. about she, Mr. Disney. Yes, I think she had lots of opinions. Yeah. But. but yeah, that was an interesting quote and an interesting perspective. Um, and I don't think maybe we stop enough to think about 
the effort that it does take and the imagination and the creativity to create something out of mm-hmm. nothing, mm-hmm. you know. So, you know, we talked about the inception of Bottle Village, how it came to be, what's there, the later years. So in 1972, she had to sell the property. And I don't know if how much of that was personal stuff, how much of that might have been influenced by what you mentioned about maybe, you know, encountering with the city. But in 72, she sold the property and the new owners planned to demolish the village. But Somewhere around that time, there was a committee formed, which is the Preserve Bottle Village Committee, which I believe still operates today. Mm-hmm. And they're the ones who would have arranged this event this last weekend. And ultimately, they assumed ownership of the property and they've managed it ever since. And Grandma Prisbury would later continue to live in, maintain and conduct tours of the village. And she did that until 1982. Mm-hmm. So that's... um that would have been up until just about when I finished high school. So I would have been driving my bike and probably past her. And uh, back in the day when I should have appreciated more this gem in Simi Valley and this legend of a lady. And uh, so many people in my life, you know, at the age that I'm at, where I think about people who I was around when I was a teenager, if I only knew how I would look at them in later years and, you know, it should have taken the time yeah. to... Um, get to know them and their story would have been something we recently posted i think after this event some pictures on instagram of our visit here and there's um, a friend of mine who uh posted back and he mentioned when he was in high school he ended Mm up going to bottle village and interviewed grandma prisbury for a high school project Mm -hmm. so um Mm -hmm. I know, yeah, people back even then, you know, had encounters with her. So uh, those were, those were lucky encounters. So Grandma Prisbury died in 1988. She was 92 years old. And a few years after that, we had a very devastating event in Southern California. You and I lived through it. And um, this is an event that haunted me until the day that we moved to Ohio. This was the 1994 Northridge earthquake. Mm -hmm. It was an immense shaker. If you've not been through an earthquake, I don't even know how to describe it. If you've been through a big one, it can be a kind of traumatic experience that stays with you for a long time. But when the earthquake happened, and you can imagine Bottle Village, you know, not the way this thing was constructed, and there's not rebar between concrete blocks or anything. It's just glass and mortar. There's a lot that crumbled. Mm -hmm. There's a lot that went to the ground. There's a lot that was lost. Surprisingly... There was a decent amount of what Grandma Prisbury built there that did survive. And so we see that today. But when you step on the property, there are bins on the side just filled with glass bottles that were the casualties of the Northridge earthquake that I think the vision and the dream is that if someday if funding came to be that those could be kind of reconstructed. I don't know if that'll ever happen, but they kept the remnants of what fell apart. Mm -hmm. So what remains of the village today is a federally recognized California historical landmark, and it was listed on the National Register of Historic Places in 1996. So yay for Grandma Prisbury. She uh, left her mark in this world, and uh, not many people get a chance to do that. So that's pretty cool. And I think it would be fair to call her Simi Valley's grandma. Yes. Because everybody called her Grandma Prisbury. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So although the property is closed, 
it can be visited by appointment. There is a website. Just look up Simi Valley uh, Bottle Village or Grandma Prisbury's Bottle Village. Yeah, and we'll look that up. We'll put that in the show notes. Yeah, put in the show notes. And uh, you will find any information that you need in regards to visiting this wonderful historic uh, landmark in the city of Simi Valley. Oh. Hey, and I will mention, if you do get a chance to come out here and step on the property, be mindful of the shoes that you wear because mm. there's fragments of glass on the ground. And I think you do, one, they recommend that you wear a closed toe, soft heel shoe. Well, it's even stated that you okay. need to wear that. And yeah. and you and I, we have to sign like some kind of waiver yeah. to even step on the property. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We also bought a book while we were there. There there was actually a young lady by the name of Kathy Hoffer who was present and she had her books. So we had her sign a book that we purchased and it's a very short read, but it is extremely interesting in terms of it is the words of Grandma Prisbury as she was whole up in bed for some reason. I think she had pneumonia and she decided to start writing about her experiences in creating this bottle village. Yeah, and there's tons of photos in here. I mean, it yeah. almost seems like half of the book is photographs. And some of the photographs are of the parts of the village that didn't survive the earthquake. Yeah, it is a really nice book to have, especially if you grew up in this area, as I did. It also, which I found very interesting, is the author, Kathy Hoffer, translated the words of Grandma Prisbury into German, which is her parents' native country. Mm-hmm. She tried to explain the significance of that um, as far as translating to another language and how it can translate in a different way than I myself could understand. Mm-hmm. And it has different meanings. It had, has different connotations. So because the author, Kathy, yeah. was German, her connection to Gr- Grandma Prisbury was that her parents were German. The German roots. And yeah. she she got connected into that. Yeah. So. so the book is called Grandma Prisbury's Bottle Village. And uh, I can't remember if I mentioned this, but we'll put that in the show notes too mm-hmm. with a link to it. Mm-hmm. And there is also on YouTube, if you look up Grandma Prisbury's Bottle Village, you'll find several videos that people have compiled who have visited the property. In the future, you may see one from us. We'll see, but what one thing that's neat is there's a few on there, at least one for sure that I know of, that features Grandma Prisbury herself. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So back in the day, there was somebody there with a camera, and you can see her, and she tells a story, and it, that's another very neat memento that's available to all of us mm-hmm. with an internet connection. So I don't remember if we've done a previous podcast on something in Simi Valley. This might be our first there will be more. Maybe a trail. Did we do the trail? I don't think on a, a podcast. No, that was a YouTube. That was a YouTube. Okay. Yeah. So somewhere down the road, there are there's other interesting things. Believe it or not, in this small t- suburb <laughs> in Southern Park, yeah, Southern California, that we will get to at some day. But for now, we wanted to share this very unique attraction that is here. It's something that if you find yourself in the area, you can drive by on Cochrane Street and even just stand outside the fence and look at what's on the other side. And if you really want to get a chance to see this work of art, contact the Preservation Committee and arrange yourself a tour. And there are rare anymore, but it seems like maybe once a year or once every other year, the committee has some kind of event 
where they open the gates and multiple people can enter the property. And we've been through at least a couple of those over the past few years. Mm -hmm. And uh, to me, this is one of those places that as long as we have the opportunity to see this, I want to take advantage of it because I don't know at some point what else will crumble, what else at some point the city will declare. And hopefully the the National Historic Register marker will keep it preserved, but sometimes you, know, you never know how things mm-hmm. go either. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. a very unique, a very remarkable attraction that's in Simi Valley, California. So we're happy to share this with you. We really appreciate you joining us on the Places Where We Go podcasts. And if you want to hear future podcasts, please hit the subscribe button on your favorite podcast of your choice. And if you would leave a comment for us, we also would love that because we love reading your comments. Until next time. Thanks for joining us on The Places Where We Go. If you have any comments or info to share with us about travel, you can write us at comments at theplaceswherewego.com. You can also follow us on social media. Right now we're on Twitter and Instagram, both at the places where we go. Thanks for joining us, and we hope to see you at the places where we go. See you next time. Bye now.